What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of National Pastime. John and Toaster here, and in today's episode, we're going to take a dive into all of the major quarterback competitions that are going on throughout the league. We're going to talk about who we think are the favorites in those competitions and ultimately how those competitions uh, will affect other quarterback situations. Uh, With Carson Wentz going down, will somebody that loses a quarterback battle be available for trade for the Colts and, um, you know, keep them afloat while Wentz recovers from a potential surgery here. We'll dive into all that stuff. We will discuss Kirk Cousins and the Vikings COVID situation. Um, Not a great look for them, but uh, nothing new for the Vikings really there. And then ultimately we will touch on Aaron Rodgers contract resolution. What concessions, if any, were actually made there. So without further ado, here we go. Okay, Toaster, we are full on into training camp now, which is just awesome. Uh, Seeing camp highlights, as lame as it is from journalists' phones standing 30 yards away, uh, gets me amped. I don't know why. But uh, one of the biggest things that is really going on with a lot of NFL teams this year, more than I think is usual, really, is quarterback battles. And a lot of those are related to rookie quarterbacks. You know, you've got Cam Newton and Mac Jones. You've got Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, and then Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. But a lot of other quarterback movement throughout the offseason has created competitions as well, like Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. Um, You've also got Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is the presumed starter, but Taylor Heineke might get involved there as well. So we'll see. Of all of these QB battles, which one stands out to you as the most intriguing? Uh, I mean, you left out the rookie that's had the most impact on the QB battle right now. There's only one rookie that has taken all of the team one reps away from Kirk Cousins, and that was uh, Kellen Mond. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. You know what? Uh, we'll get right into that. So uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Um, Kellen Mond, the third round pick of the Vikings from Texas A&M, tested positive for COVID. Uh, The other quarterbacks in the room, Kirk Cousins included, who is a known anti-vaxxer, are all, you know, were deemed close contacts and basically all had to sit out practice the other day. And the only, uh, they had one quarterback uh, that was able to practice, and that was um, I can't even think of his name now. Bateman, Browning, I think. Browning, yeah, Browning. Not Justin <laughs> yeah. Bateman, but I mean, I mean, put an actor in there at this point because the reps yeah. aren't meaningful at this point. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see because I think the protocol is for unvaccinated. It's a ten-day mandatory sit out to see mm-hmm. what happens. So uh, they may not have. Kirk Cousins back for 10 days at this point. Yeah. And I thought the way that, I mean, we got to see the way that the Bills handled uh, the Cole Beasley anti-vaccination thing on social media and allowing him to speak and even promoting his media session with their Twitter account that day. Uh, I think the way the Vikings handled it was, 
I mean, it was exactly the opposite, honestly. It, the way Zimmer, best. yeah, yeah, the way Zimmer spoke about it, he's he was clearly frustrated. Um, they've already had to reassign one of their coaches who refuses to get the vaccine. And he basically went on to say, you know, this is exactly why people should get vaccinated. Uh, he praised Browning saying that he's available and that's important in a team sport, which is a hell of a thing to say. I mean, he obviously isn't going to come out and publicly bash Kirk Cousins, but I think we can read between the lines here a little bit. And if this were to happen in week 15 or something, and they're, yeah, they're buying they, for I a playoff spot. Throw a seventh round draft pick at uh, Kendall Hinton. Just be like, okay, you played quarterback last year. Let's just get you on the roster, JIC. Uh, it, it, that's what we've been saying. It's all about risk and to, mm -hmm. to Zimmer's point, availability. If you're not available to the team, then you're not a resource for the team. And the Vikings are paying, we've talked about Kirk Cousins, a lot of fucking money, guaranteed money. And to put himself is one thing, but to put teammates and the the overall win-loss record and you know success of the team at risk by not getting vaccinated and having to go through this stuff. I, I mean, I understand Zimmer's frustration. I mean, this has got to be, this is going to be, public enemy number one for every single NFL team. And a lot of teams are dealing with people that have been gone, uh, put on the COVID list so far at Washington football team is one, especially that's been hit hard and they've got one which of the is, lowest vaccination rates in the league. Which is so sad because Rivera is going through, he's a chemotherapy patient, like he's immunocompromised. How yeah. that isn't enough to get his team to rally behind him and just say, I don't care what this vaccine is going to do to me, but I don't want my lack of vaccine to affect you. Uh, it, it's it's insane. But the Vikings back to circling back, they need to attack this window. I mean, obviously Rodgers is back at this point, but it's still seven teams making the playoffs and they've got they've got a chance to make a run and losing the this preseason rep is an opportunity missed in my opinion yeah and you know i think this particular outbreak was contained to the quarterback room right as far as who are deemed close contacts but quarterbacks you know will deal with they, they deal with the whole offense right they are central to the whole offense. And if something happens and Justin Jefferson is a close contact or Dalvin Cook is a close contact, you're fucked. You yeah. are absolutely fucked if for one week or for 10 days even, which could include two games, depending on unless how you're scheduled. A yeah. <laughs> unless you're a Raven. Yeah. I mean, that would be absolutely detrimental. And... I mean, I guess they're they're working through it early enough in camp and maybe this scares guys into getting the vaccine. I don't know what Kellen Mons. I, I don't know if we're aware of his vaccination status. And obviously we do know, especially with the Delta variant now, that a lot of people that are vaccinated are still contracting it. So um, it's I guess that's one element of it that you can't really avoid to some degree. But um, if Kellen Mond is not vaccinated, I he would be very smart to just go ahead and get it now because yeah, I, it's been you shocking want to, to me that any rookie would choose to not get the vaccine 
because this is your opportunity to make a name for yourself. You've got a very, very short window to compete and you need to do everything in your realm of possibility to keep yourself available to get those reps. It's yeah. Well, we don't have to keep harping on it, but it's a very easy thing to do to eliminate that risk for yourself. And if you're a young player, if you're a backup, if you're a fringe roster guy, it shouldn't even be a consideration. It's it's just risk. It's just it's financial and professional Walmart's, risk. Walmart's assessment. mandating the fucking vaccine at this point. So the NFL can say that they're not mandating the vaccine, but it's very clear that you are going to be better off in society by getting that vaccine rather than not. Yeah. Well, uh, I, regardless, I think, uh, that is I'm a, a great Walmart guy, out. not a target guy. Sorry. Oh yeah. I tr- trust me. I well, can save, know. I can save 20 cents on my kicks and yeah, you'll spend $10 on a pair of shoes that, uh, for anyone that is not aware toaster here is very cheap. Uh, and I say that lovingly. Frugal. 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 Yeah. Know the value. Way. Yeah, exactly. So that's, yes, why, I, that's why I don't give running back second contracts. Boom. There you go. Uh, Nick Chubb, though. Congrats. I mean, that's, he gives uh, me a minor Chubb. I'm not going to lie. No, I think. Good. I mean, it's still under 29 by the time he's a free agent again. So not a, not a terrible contract to hand out for the Browns. Yeah, twenty million guaranteed. Essentially, if they decide to move on from him after next year, you know, it's it's not the worst thing in the world. Ten million a year for a running back—that's that good. It, it just becomes complicated when they're gonna—they're trying to figure out what to do with Baker Mayfield and his contract. And yeah. once you have to pay him the kind of money that it looks like they're probably gonna have to pay him, paying a running back that much—it just hurts you. It, it's just unnecessary. But he is good. Um, I agree with you, though, that that second contract for a running back is always it's a little tough. But we digress. Anyway, back to QB battles. Back to QB battles. Uh, Yes, the Cousins versus COVID battle is definitely uh, the big one. But of the other actual competitions, um, does one stand out to you in particular? I mean, the Saints are always going to be the top QB battle because they have one QB that's not a QB and one QB that throws more interceptions than any QB ever has in the league. So I, I, I I want them all to fucking succeed. I want it to be competitive in the NFC South, but I just don't see it happening. And especially with Michael Thomas out, I think that they're going, they're going with Hill because they're going to need a run heavy attack Alvin Kamara is a superstar, and I know we just talked about not giving a running back a second contract, but he's he's not just a running back. He's a wide receiver. Yeah. He's a dual threat. He's, at the very worst, a decoy out of the backfield that you need to worry about every single play. Yeah. And that's why I think Taysom Hill is ultimately going to be the QB one uh, starting. And it, when I say that, it's not that Winston's not going to get reps. Because it's the same thing. Hill got reps with Breeze in there, Mm -hmm. right? Which is a Hall of Fame quarterback. So you can call this a QB competition, but I don't think that there's a true QB1, QB2 on the Saints roster right now. I think that there is a different situation that each one will play in. I agree. I I think this is the one where we 
probably differ the most. I think Jameis is going to be the guy from week one on. And and that's not to say, again, that Taysom Hill won't have a role. But um, so far through camp, again, I haven't seen it with my own eyes, but just uh, in reading um, camp reports and things, you know, Jameis has looked better. Jameis is obviously more aggressive. You know, we know that. That's what leads to a lot of his turnovers. And uh, maybe right now in camp, that's, it puts him in, it, I don't know, through that lens makes him look better because people aren't really going as hard. He's able to take shots downfield and it, you know, it's not as risky. Um, yeah, as the, it will the be number of the games like, matter. Number of throws that have been considered dimes in the preseason is just basically killing brain cells in my mind right now because there's no contact allowed you've got soft defenses and you're not throwing you're not throwing you know cover two out there with a safety over top they're just running one-on-one right now so yeah of course jason james james is going to look good right now but ultimately that's an offense where they want the ball in their hands and Taysom hill did fumble a couple opportunities in his time taking over for Drew Brees while he's injured, but 30 interceptions, 30 interceptions. You can't succeed with that. I mean, Tom Brady walked into the same team that Jameis Winston was unable to take to the playoffs and won the Super Bowl. I think the team got a little better. They made some roster moves, but your point is valid. I, I agree. Um, yet, God, that 30 interception season is just wild. It's also crazy that he led the league in attempts and yards. <laughs> he just wanted to be on ESPN 30 for 30. I think that's what it was ultimately for is he's like, I am the most qualified for 30 for 30 at this point. A, a 30 for 30 on his 30 touchdown, 30 interception season would be yep. quite entertaining. Honestly, uh, I would be, I'd be down to watch that. <laughs> yeah, but, I know. I mean, if, if we take this quarterback, competition to another level and i know that we're gonna get into another quarterback competition how they're not considering andy dalton at this point in time is a little bit strange to me because that seems like something that they could swap they could flip a fourth round draft pick for right now make the bears happy andy dalton's the qb1 makes him happy and fits into sean payton's system and makes them I'm not going to say a competitor again, but makes them more competitive than what they've got right now. Yeah. And I think maybe that leads into the, the QB competition I think is most intriguing to me. And it's not even so much because of the competition on the field and who's performing better, but Dalton and fields, uh, obviously there's been a lot of talk about whether the Bears should just roll with Justin Fields to start the season. Week one, go against the Rams on Sunday night football. Just throw him into the fire, get the reps, work through it, or go with Dalton. But especially with the Carson Wentz injury as well, and we'll maybe get into that in a little more detail after this, but um, Jason from Over the Cap uh, floated on Twitter the other day that you know maybe Dalton could be a trade candidate for the Colts. And, you know, you just mentioned for the Saints as well. Dalton's salary is, I mean, the contract for the acquiring team is nothing. It's a backup quarterback. It's two and a half million dollars. It's the Bears. That's a Trubisky Trubisky contract. (laughs) 
It, it is. The the Bears will pay the remaining uh, $7.5 million no matter what if they traded him. But it's 2.5 for the acquiring team. That is nothing. And if the Bears feel confident enough, let's say Justin Fields progresses. Now, so far, the reporting has been that uh, Dalton's looked like the better quarterback, which makes sense. He's a veteran. Um He's been around the block, right? Um, Justin Fields has up and down days, uh, up and down sessions within practice, but ultimately it's obvious he's the more talented guy. If Fields can level out his performance over the next couple of weeks and the Bears feel confident enough to roll with him week one, if some team like the Saints or the Colts offers them a fifth round pick, I, you know, I think they do it. They move on. And especially if they haven't gotten enough trade interest in Nick Foles, which as of right now, seems like they haven't. And you just roll with Fields as the starter and Foles as the backup. That's why that battle is so intriguing to me, because if Fields looks the part, Dalton becomes available and is a much better option than a lot of these other guys out there for teams that are stuck in these weird quarterback positions like the Saints you mentioned, if they don't like what they're seeing from Jameis or Taysom Hill or like the Colts now who are waiting on this Wentz injury. Am I completely off base on this? To me, this is like the antithesis of a quarterback battle. This is a quarterback battle between who's going to be the veteran backup to Fields. And it's saying, okay, we, we know Foles is on the back burner for sure. But if we can flip Dalton for something else and then still have Foles as the... Super Bowl MVP guiding light behind him, then absolutely. And when you think about what the Browns did with Brock Osweiler, like it's flipping $7.5 million for a draft pick. And that's not a terrible situation in this league. So I think that they, they hold on to Dalton for right now and they play him in the preseason. They try to build his value up as much as they possibly can. And then if there's a late injury, uh, Carson Wentz, I think, ultimately is probably coming back. I hope this is not a Bliss Frank injury because that's the one that they constantly think is just, uh, okay, it's a couple-week injury and we're going to get back to it. Um, almost always ends up requiring surgery and they're out for the season. Um, but yeah. right now they're playing it off as a, a minor injury. And so build up Dalton's trade value right now, get him some game reps, and then flip him. Once somebody gets injured and you still have Foles backing up Dal- or backing up Fields being that veteran presence that he ultimately needs to talk through the, the trials and tribulations that he's going to have. For sure. And if so, Dalton came here to be the starter, right? Like that at the time, there was no other option. He was QB one as infamously uh, depicted by the Bears social media team. But if Fields takes over, let's say week two or week three, even Dalton starts the year, you know, plays the Rams, Bears get beat down. Fields looks ready week two. They get him in. So he gets a few weeks of easy defenses before they get into the meat of their schedule. If Dalton's no longer QB one, he's a professional. I don't think he would cause a stink, but I think he would welcome a trade elsewhere to be that quarterback. Now with, with Colt, the Colts and Wentz, um, as of right now, he's had an MRI and I believe has had a second opinion on it, but he's going to, they're going to take her out of him resting and seeing if it will get better over the next week or so, two weeks. 
and go he's, from there. He's out, he's out for the preseason at this point, which is why I'm worried that Zillis Frank, the only thing that's keeping me um, hopeful that that's not the injury is that he is weight bearing right now. And typically with that type of injury, you put them in a boot and you try to take mm-hmm. them off their feet for six weeks. But it, it, it's something that with how ambiguous they're being right now, you've got to think that it's a little bit more serious than they're playing off. Yeah, that's, that's the vibe I'm getting. And I, you know, watching Twitter or, you know, people play Twitter doctor. Um, uh, what seems to be the, the consensus here is if it is bad enough that he needs surgery, which they will know within a couple of weeks, um, he could be out as long as week six. Now the, the AFC South isn't, you know, crazy. Um, you've got, you've got the Jaguars. Obviously we know how bad they were last year, but with Trevor Lawrence in the fold, I, I tend to think they'll be, they won't be as big a pushover this year. Um, you know, the, the Titans are obviously like your, probably your front runner there, right? If the Colts aren't, um, without Wentz, you know, the, the, I have to think no, for that. sure. But I mean, if you look at the Colts first six games, Seahawks, Rams, Titans, Dolphins, Ravens, Texans. That's not an easy schedule to recover from. So minus they need, the Texans, but yeah, they need to, they need to come out hot if they stand any chance of controlling that division. Uh, if, if Wentz is out the first six weeks, then you, not handing it to the Titans, but they've got a very, very strong, stronghold on that. Yeah. It'll be an uphill battle. And so far all they've done is they brought in Brett Hundley, who um, by all accounts is not a viable NFL I mean, quarterback. He was third string for the Cardinals last year behind Struggler, right? <laughs> Struggler. Yeah. Um, it's, it, he's just not, he hasn't looked the part. And I get needing to bring a body in, and they're probably still in a, a wait and see position for the most part, which is why they haven't done anything bigger. But, um, yeah, Brett Hundley's not going to fix their problems. Jacob Eason is not going to fix their problems. I don't think um, Jacob Eason, uh, for people that don't know, quarterback from University of Washington, drafted last year in the second round. Is that right? Was he that high? Oh, no, no, no. He was no? definitely. I'm making was, that up. Yeah. But great news. We can just roll with that second round draft pick for the Colts <laughs> from Washington. Uh, no, I want to say he was fourth or fifth round. Okay, let's see here. Fourth round, you're right. Fourth round, pick 122 last year. Okay, so um, yeah, not not quite as high of a, a, I guess, draft capital in order to acquire him, but still um, probably not going to be the answer for them, I'm thinking. Um, I haven't heard too was, much about yeah, how he looks to me. If, if they were going to pick up a ex-Packers quarterback, I would have thought that Blakey B was the first one that they turned to. Yeah. I don't know. Bortles, I think maybe fits more into the Taysom Hill mode uh, for most teams now than, you know, an actual viable NFL quarterback. Um, but, you know, we hope the, again, we wish Blakey B the best here. Uh, we are a pro Blakey B podcast, but yeah, I think uh, the Colts are going to have to make a move. I feel like they're trying to be optimistic right now and they're, they're hoping for a miracle, but they're going to have to make a move. I think the dolphins pulled Cutler out of retirement, right? What do you think the odds are of the, the Colts pulling uh, Philip Rivers back out of retirement? Just say, Hey, give us six games. 
That's actually not a bad idea. I mean, I think the Dolphins pulled Cutler out for $12 million. Um, You know, not a bad post-retirement paycheck. Um, if the Colts, I mean, they're not going to be able to get out of uh, any money on Wentz's contract, right? Like, no, as long they're as not. he's... But if they yeah. hold him out for a quarter of the season, then the first round draft pick becomes a second round draft pick and all you have to do is flip philip rivers free child care and maybe you don't you don't lose your first four games of the season god philip rivers child care bill has to be absurd thank god he made hundreds of millions of dollars as an nfl quarterback <laughs> god damn but okay. no that's that's actually a, i mean at this point a decent opportunity for them to hold wince out long enough yeah. for him to the conditional second round pick become a true second round pick. If they can, if they can hold him out for a quarter of the season, still float the boat, keep them in competitive in the AFC South. And then, yeah, I mean, that's again, money. Everybody's willing to throw one pick. Would you not give 10 million to have an extra first round draft pick? Yeah. Uh, I think that would be, easy i mean what what's the colts um situation look like right now they're in one of the better salary cap situations actually at this point ballard's been playing it very very well um i don't know the numbers off the top of my head because they've done a couple extensions in the last week but they still have 12 million plus for sure they're at 11.2 so 11 uh, plus for sure (laughs) 11 plus for sure so i mean yeah if they floated 10 mil to philip rivers Or even, like you said, if they're going into it knowing it's a six to eight week thing, potentially, you offer them $5 million and say, you're only going to work for... And again, you're getting a first round draft pick out of this. That's the the change between just somebody being injured and the situation the Colts are in right now is that they know that it's between a first round draft pick and a second round draft pick right now. And if they can hold Wentz out for a quarter of the season, it reverts Treadwater. Yep. It reverts yeah. back to a second round pick. Yeah. All right. I and that like and that. honestly that has a cascading effect because right now the Eagles have basically earmarked that they have three first round draft picks next year trying to mm-hmm. get either Aaron Rodgers or a top QB pick. And if that goes to two picks and another second, that, that changes the entire dynamic of the league. Well, and the Eagles should know better than anybody that banking on Carson Wentz's health is probably not the most sound strategy yeah. uh, out there. So, are you yeah. considering the Eagles having a quarterback battle? I kind of, I guess, only, and that's only because I don't think that highly of Jalen Hurts. Um, I think he's talented, and I think he's an exciting player, but he didn't show me enough in college to think that he can consistently win from the pocket and be an NFL starting quarterback. Are you saying that because he got beat out by Tua Dagovalola and Tua's still a question mark in the league? I mean, it definitely is not, it's not, not on my mind. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, Plus you factor in how much NFL coaches just love retreading uh, veteran quarterbacks, especially former Super Bowl champions like Joe Flacco. And I think there's a conversation to be had there. I think ultimately Hurts 
is the guy, right? That Flacco's not going to beat him out, but I, I wouldn't consider it a competition because I don't think the Eagles are going to be competitive enough to pull off what the Dolphins were trying to do last year with Tua, where they supplemented him with Fitzpatrick trying to win the game at the end of the at the end of the you know fourth quarter. Um, they either go all in and say we're riding this burning bridge to the ground, or they're saying Hertz is going to be our quarterback. Right. There's no reason to play Flacco at this point because you, you want to see what you have in Hertz. And if you don't have what you think you have in Hertz, then you take the extra draft picks, you move up, you try to get another quarterback. Yeah. The only thing I can think is if they are delusional in thinking that they are, they could win that division. Let's say Washington continues to have their COVID issues and Washington, for our listeners, um, have been listening to us throughout the offseason as my pick to win that division. But um, let's say they struggle with COVID issues and Dallas struggles. Um, you know, Dak, I guess, has had some some issues coming back here already. So um, if Dallas struggles, maybe they see an opening in that division. I don't know. And then you, they want to go with a safe play in Flacco. But otherwise, I agree with you. Hurts you need to see what you have in him because with all the draft capital that they have next year, let's say they find themselves in that 10 to 15 range again, but they know they need to get up into like the top five to secure a quarterback. And they know Hertz isn't the guy. Well, essentially they're going to need to know like is Hertz the guy or not. And we're going to need to package these picks and get up if not, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with they, you. I, I don't they, think it's yeah. a true competition in that sense. They need to make the move that they should have made this year, next year, is what we're ultimately going for, right? They should have drafted Justin yeah. Fields this year uh, when they moved up, and instead they got Devonte, uh, Devonta Smith, and nothing against Devonta Smith. He's already hurt, and that was probably the biggest knock on him being drafted as high as he is. Yeah, that's kind of a recurring theme with some of these quarterback battles, right? They probably should have taken fields uh, looking at Denver Broncos and Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Um, that's another one we, we touched on a little bit last podcast, uh, talking about the fallout of Aaron Rodgers sticking in Green Bay for this year. But so far through camp, it seems like Drew Locke is been playing the best and has, you know, the he's in the pole position for that starting job come week one. It doesn't sound like he's blowing them away, but Teddy Bridgewater hasn't been all that great. And I was reading the report from Saturday and he threw a couple interceptions and just hasn't really looked the part there yet. Um, it's still early in camp, plenty of time for Drew Locke to fuck shit up. But I mean, interceptions are still completions. How is how I look at it. Drew Locke throws a ton of uncatchable balls so at least teddy bridgewater is throwing things that can ultimately be caught give his give his players a chance plus teddy i think is enough of a veteran and you see a lot of veterans take this approach early on in training camp but they're they're testing the limits right they're trying to see their where they can get the ball especially working in with these new receivers he's trying to get a feel for you know where they're going to be where their timing is and you might force some balls early that end up getting picked. I mean, I, I remember famously a handful of years ago, Aaron Rodgers was like throwing picks left and right in camp. And everyone was like, what the hell is going on? And it was literally 
Aaron was bored and wanted to give their defense some confidence. So he was throwing them balls. I don't think Teddy's doing that necessarily, but I think he's probably trying to push the ball and, and learn a little bit more about his team and, and learn about where the coaches want him to go with stuff. And that's leading to some of this stuff. But well, he's got um, a defensive head coach, so might as well build up the build up the goodwill with the defense with uh, Vic Pangio, right? Yeah, there you go. But uh, that's another battle where probably should have just drafted Justin Fields. Uh, he'd probably be the best, you know, far and away the starter there. But at, by this point already, so um, not really sure. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you know. to, to that battle, uh, we already talked about it, but. Teddy Bridgewater actually had his best statistical year last year. Like he had a, what was it? 2013 pro bowl year. And he had better stats last year under Matt rule and uh, Joe Brady than he's ever had in his career. So why drew lock is continuing to get the opportunities outside of his rapport. If I do say so myself, it, it is beyond me. Um, I think that they should have they should have taken a chance on another quarterback, but I, I really do think that Bridgewater's a dark horse candidate right now. Um, I would I said I'm not going to say this on the podcast, but I think I'm going to now. I actually might Good. put the Chargers ahead of the Chiefs in win totals in the AFC West, and the Broncos at number three. And then the Raiders, I'm confident, are number four in the league or number four in the division. Yeah, I think that I don't know if I'm ready to go there yet, but I think you've got three and four slotted correctly. Um, barring something unforeseen from Drew Locke, right? Like we know he's talented. He hasn't shown us that he can put it together for any more than a couple games at a time tops and unless he takes a significant leap, which I think most people are probably not really buying into anymore. Um, yeah, I think they're, they're firmly the third team in that division there. Uh, but ahead of the Raiders, which matters to them matters in those interdivisional rivalries. So, um, yeah, I'm with you on that. Do you, I mean, you're, uh, gonna, I guess, breaking news i don't know no it's not really breaking news anybody that's listened to us uh, for long enough but uh you're a patriots fan what do you think of the cam and mac jones battle right now i don't think it's a battle i think cam's qb1 and if history has shown me anything as much as i love appreciate respect bill belichick he has this strange infatuation with people that have beaten him before. And Cam Newton was 2-0 and against him as a Carolina Panther. And I think he's going to continue to ride that and say that he sees something in Cam that beat him, and that's what makes him think that he can beat other people. He definitely respects Cam. I mean, you, you listen to the way he talks about him and everything. He, he definitely respects him, which, I mean say what you will about cam and cam has taken a lot of criticism over the years. If you've earned the respect of bill Belichick, you're doing something right or have done something right. Um, I mean, I, I agree that I think cam is the guy. I don't know if Belichick's ready to turn it over to a rookie quite yet who only started a handful of games in college. But from what I've read, 
Cam only has like a, has had a slight edge in their performance so far. He's been spotty down the field, which, you know, we know is kind of an issue for him last year and has been since the shoulder injuries have started to stack up. Um, I haven't heard too much about Mac Jones, so he's probably just doing the Mac Jones thing, which is Max, Max been off and on just like a typical rookie. And I think that they're ready to curtail the offense to Cam Newton. And again, they were seven and nine last year. This isn't like they collapsed. They were seven and nine. This was post Cam being in COVID protocols. Mm -hmm. And think about this again. They were one yard away from beating the Seahawks and going three and zero to start the season. If they had gone three and zero to start the season, no COVID, I think Belichick wants to see what would have happened. I I agree, and they've got you know the majority of the roster back, right? The the guys that opted out. I'm I'm Harry's with you. Back, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of people back. Harris <laughs> back. I I just think that everybody wants to dance on the Patriots grave, right? We've been waiting for it for decades now. Um, thinking, Oh, is this finally the end of their run when they go on the three game, you know, they win two of four games in the first month of the year. And everyone's like, Oh shit, they're done. They were but, one game below 500 and that was their lowest win total since 2000. <laughs> yeah. I think Belichick knows what he's doing. I think, they weathered the storm about as well as they could last year. Uh, barring Cam's health, I do think that they'll be competitive again. Um, do you think so? Sounds like you think Cam is surefire starter to start the year. Do you see an opportunity if Cam injury aside for Mac Jones to come in and and take over at any point during the season? I was going to say injury aside, I, I really don't. I think that Bill Belichick makes his decision and he runs with it and he, he prides himself on the decisions that he ultimately makes and doesn't want to look like he's flippant in that. Yeah. Um, there's not, there's not experience that Mac Jones is going to get between, you know, week four and week eight that he's not getting in the reps right now that would say, okay, he should have been the starter from week one. Yeah, and I I think there's something to be said for a veteran team um, that wants, you know, knows that going into the season, the plan is to be competitive because there are some teams that, you know, you have an idea that it's a rebuilding year or whatever, right? Like Jacksonville, there's no expectation that they're going to be good. They're just like, let's keep Trevor Lawrence alive and, you know, move him along. Or the Lions. It's a a rebuilding century. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. But... I, I think Belichick also owes it to the the veterans on that roster to go with the proven guy until Cam shows him that he's not the guy anymore. As long as Cam's not committing turnovers, then he's the guy. Their defense is going to do everything they can to keep him in the game, and that's been Tom Brady's biggest asset is he was not turning the ball over. And you can coach around knowing how many possessions you're going to have and how many short fields that your defense is going to be put in. And so that's why I think that ultimately he's going to trust Cam, who's a proven veteran, over uh, over Mac Jones for the remainder of the season as long as Cam's not fumbling the ball 
and throwing interceptions. For sure. Uh, so a somewhat similar scenario is the 49ers situation with Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. Um, from the sound of it, Lance has looked good. Are we just transitioning been- to other Patriots quarterbacks? Because the year that Jimmy Garoppolo went 5-0, and Brian Hoyer also went 0-6 on that same fucking roster. So I feel like this is just a retread of Patriots quarterbacks on 49ers right now, outside of obviously Trey Lance. Yeah. Lucky you. Um, Yeah. So Lance apparently has looked good. He's been aggressive down the field, uh, which, you know, Shani's going to like, that's obviously not Jimmy's shtick. He, he's going to dink and dunk you uh, down the field for the most part. Do you, where do you stand on this competition? I, I think that if Lance continues to look good and I guess we'll see once we get into some preseason games and actual game action here, but if Lance continues to look good and they move forward with him, do they start him and do they keep Jimmy Garoppolo on the bench making $25 million? I, I don't see how they make that move because Garoppolo's already got them to a Super Bowl. A healthy Garoppolo got them to the pinnacle of sports, in my opinion, because the Super Bowl is the hardest championship to get to. They give him the opportunity as long as, again, he's taking care of the ball. They've got Trey Sermon. That backfield is going to be freaking sick. They're healthy back on defense. You give him the opportunity to manage the game and get them back to that pinnacle of sports. And probably just, I mean, and that's not to say we won't see Trey Lance, right? We'll get packages with him, especially near the goal line, I would assume. And, um, you know, Shani will be uh, creative with how they use Trey Lance there. But I I don't know, man. I, I think they gave up so much to get Trey. And you know Kyle Shanahan is excited about him and excited about what he can do with him. If Trey looks like he has command of the offense, I don't know. I, the, the problem is this is a sport where uh, think about hockey. You turn the, you turn the puck over constantly and sometimes purposely, right? You'll just dump it into yeah. your, dump it into the zone in football. One turnover can shift the entire dynamic of the game. And so you want to go with a guy that you're assured is going to run your offense and run your offense securely. And Jimmy G's shown that he can do that. Trey Lance, I'm not saying that he's not going to be a freaking superstar, but day one, you're going with Jimmy G because he commands the system and he understands what the responsibilities ultimately are. And going back to the Patriots quarterback battle too, you know, Shanahan, it's probably easier to sell to the veterans on that team that we're going to roll with Jimmy Garoppolo. We know what we have in Jimmy. And I think you can get them to buy into that um, that idea and not, you know, I, there might be a sense when you put in a rookie quarterback like, like Trey Lance that you're rushing him in because you want to prove that the investment that you made was worth it. And that doesn't always jive, I think, with a lot of the other people on that team. The other 53 guys, 52 guys that, you know, will be suiting up on game day. It's like, 
and, I think and, you and can, I, it's easier I, I to sell as, Jimmy G. I went as far as turnovers, but just think about a wrong turn on a handoff. He, he, he drops back, turns to the left and Trey Sermon's running to the right. And all of a sudden now you're seven yards behind the sticks. Like those are drive killers. And that's what Tom Brady has made a career out of is taking, being safe when he's taking sacks, but also throwing the ball the fuck away when it's going to be a poor yard situation. And that's the veteran presence that ultimately Jimmy G can separate himself from Trey Lance right now. And again, Trey Lance is obviously the future. They gave up way too much to ever sit him on the bench and have a Aaron Rodgers love situation. But right now, Jimmy G gives them the best opportunity to win. I agree with you for week one anyway. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll caveat that with saying until we see preseason games, Trey Lance looks like the second coming in the preseason and he looks ready. I still might lean to starting him, but I think right now I agree with you. Jimmy G week one anyway, gives you the best, the best opportunity to win. And Kyle will do that. Um, it also is a tough pill to swallow to have a backup making $25 million. I feel like, like that's, but it's 25 million. That's not guaranteed. They cut them any week and the rest of that contract goes away. So the 25 millions on a prorated basis, right? You're looking at his game checks. And so 25 million divided by 17, you're talking 1.6 million. They free up the, the antithesis of that whenever they decide to cut them. So and then maybe, maybe he becomes an option for the Colts or something. Yeah, maybe you know? they're, so maybe they end up paying him $10 million to hang out for the first five, six games, and then he's gone. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that would be, <laughs> that would be interesting. Um, it, I guess it all depends on how well Trey Lance adjusts and how good he looks, but um, I'm excited to see him in, in some game action and, and get a little bit better feel for this. Cause the, the problem he's only is played I, 17 games in his life. <laughs> yeah. And throwing the ball, you know, less than I do on a traditional Thanksgiving Turkey bowl day. Um, but I think like the other thing with Jimmy G is, yeah, he's, he's solid and you know what you have in him and you know, you've gotten to the super bowl with him before, but did they really get there? They didn't really get there because of him, right? Like they almost got there in spite of him in some ways. I, he doesn't excite me. And he, I don't know. It's Trey Lance is the guy. If he's ready, same like with Justin Fields and Andy Dalton. If he's ready, why wait? Just, just do it. I think the difference between Andy Dalton and Justin Fields versus Garoppolo and Lance is that Andy Dalton hasn't been there before. He's never won a playoff game before. He is not the person that's taking you to the Super Bowl. The only thing that I see in Trey Lance that Jimmy that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't offer is that is a spread offense. They're running the ball a lot and throwing that extra dynamic in there where you've got Trey Lance bootlegging to the opposite side after a fake handoff can completely change the way the defense needs to needs to approach that that game, right? Yeah. And that's also why even if Jimmy starts, we will be seeing Trey. Um, he'll be getting those packages for sure. But all right. Fair enough. Uh, I think we'll get out of here on the latest 
Well, I guess, it, are there any other quarterback competitions that really stand out to you here before we move on to Aaron Rodgers, who has been our favorite offseason topic? No, I mean, I think the Fields-Dalton thing we already talked about, that we get Dalton enough reps to make him a viable trade candidate. And then uh, the, the Jameis Hill thing, it's really not a quarterback competition. It's a whoever runs the offense the best or whoever makes the offense the most dynamic is ultimately going to be there, but I think they're both going to play. So now let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. All right. So the Aaron Rodgers saga has uh, finally come to a conclusion. They've officially reworked his deal. Um, there was the big word that was used was concessions, right? That um, there would be concessions made and it would entice Aaron to, to come in and practice and play ultimately for the Packers in the 2021 season. Uh, were there really concessions made, though? I mean, I, it doesn't seem like there was much. So essentially, they removed, they lopped off the 2023 year, right, of his deal. Right. And then they converted... Um, money from this year they did a max restructure and converted money to signing bonus so that uh it gives them a little more cap flexibility they were able to uh work in the randall cobb trade and then now he's just has a massive um cap hit for next year should they move on that doesn't really do much for me if i'm aaron Rodgers, right can we just, I mean, I know Bill O'Brien's gone, but how the fuck are the Texans still paying some of Randall Cobb's salary? Like you had the <laughs> ultimate leverage. The only thing that happened out of this deal was that Aaron Rodgers is getting Randall Cobb back and the Texans still decided to pay $3 million on top yeah. of getting, they say undisclosed now, but I think it was a sixth round draft pick. There, there were no concessions in this. Lopping off the 2023 deal, did absolutely nothing. And all it did was make him more tradable next year. But getting rid of that 2023 year to me is, again, doesn't move the needle because what happens if they win the Super Bowl this year and they win the Super Bowl next year? You're going to want them in 2023. And Aaron Rodgers isn't going to want to leave anymore in 2023. Once they start a winning culture, he's going to want to be there. It's the same thing with Matt LaFleur. He was pissed when they brought him in to start. And then they go 13 to 13 and three in consecutive seasons, make it to the NFC championship. And he's like, and now they're okay, this, this guy's, this guy's fine. Yeah. He's not yeah. the problem. Yeah. Uh, so looking at this, the way that it's now currently constructed, uh, Rogers cap number next year is 46.1 million, uh, 26.4 base salary, uh, 19 million prorated bonus. They trade him pre June one. He still counts 26.8 against the cap, but, um, but they get 19 million in cap relief, which is yeah. less than they were going to pay him next year. Anyways. So again, yeah. there's no win on Aaron Rodgers' side. And I think he knew this going in, which is why he was so, uh, I'm going to call him a dick. I'm sorry. Why he was such a dick? Because he knew he had no leverage. The only yeah. leverage he had was saying he was not going to play or he was going to retire. And if he had just said, get me Randall Cobb, get me some sort of say in this organization, then we could have been done with this three months ago. Because that's all he got was Randall Cobb out of this deal. 
Yeah. And I mean, he, you're right. He got to throw a public tamper tantrum, which was really the only thing that benefited him here. Like having those, the contract go through 2023 and I get now they've eliminated that, that last year, but having the contract going to that length throughout this process, like really just gave him no leg to stand on unless he wanted to retire. And obviously he didn't want to retire. So um, that was his silver bullet, if you will. And he didn't end up using it. And yeah, I mean, I think it would have been a win to go the other way and say, make my contract through the end of Jordan Love's contract and say, you guys done fucked. Right. Yeah. But instead now Jordan Love's fourth year is the first year that he's no longer a Packer under contract. Right. And if Mm -hmm. he leaves next year, gets traded next year, then there's two years of Jordan Love. But all they did, it was a win win for the Packers for sure. Oh yeah. And all they had to do was basically wear it. That first press conference that Aaron had, uh, after reporting to camp, right? Cause he basically just laid it all out. He was super candid, which was great, but, um, you know, he, he aired his grievances Packers just wore it and you move on. Right. Um, and by all accounts, Rogers is fucking motivated and has looked good so far in practice. So yeah, there, not that we no were worried. That, yeah. I was going to say, there's no way that he's sandbagging this season right? to, you know, stick it to the Packers. He's going to want to do, he's going to want to compete. They were what, five points away, maybe a poor field goal decision away from making to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, yeah. So they're, they're one of the top contenders immediately now that he's for sure back on, back on the team and they will be the year after as well. Yep. So he really doesn't get a lot here other than Randall Cobb. Um, the thing that I thought was really funny that's come out of this though, is now there's been a lot of talk about players that have had say in what's gone on. And, uh, famously now, apparently Kyler Murray has in, you know, three years in the NFL, uh, has been given a lot of say in personnel moves that the Cardinals have made, uh, which I'm sure pisses Aaron Rodgers off to hear. Um, but, you know, we've gotten to hear now of all of these other players that somehow have had input in personnel decisions. Um, but well, I mean, other Cliff Kingsbury doesn't know how to coach. He hasn't had a fucking 500 season since what it's almost been eight years now. And they still are not a playoff contender. So I would give, I would find some solace in saying, okay, yeah, Kyler, you keep coaching up your other NFC team and I'm going to keep running this shit back. Well, now when uh, shit goes south, they can just blame Kyler, right? Well, Kyler wanted that player. So, yeah. Um, But, yeah, so ultimately for Aaron, I don't think he gets much here. Um, He maybe gets a little, you know, there's a little more certainty that he will be gone next offseason. But I think we were always in that position with him to some degree. But, again, I'm not sure that that's ultimately what will be best for him? Why would, if you again, make it back to an NFC championship, why would you risk it in going to the Denver Broncos or the Oakland Raiders? That would have been three consecutive years in a row that, you know, that you've got, you're right on the precipice of greatness. Um, I don't think that there's any risk to his hall of fame reputation, but he's only got one Super Bowl, and that Super Bowl was what? 2008. 
So we're looking Love 10 it, right? years back and Devonte Adams is not a guarantee to return to the Packers at this point. So the, without Aaron Rodgers, obviously. So I feel like yeah. he he's in a pretty damn good situation as much as he doesn't like the front office. He's his, he doesn't stand a chance to necessarily do better moving somewhere else, especially again, we're talking about the Broncos and the Raiders are his number one opportunities, which have Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes in the way. Maybe you want to go to the saints. There's one more year of Tom Brady, most likely next year. It's it. There's no pushovers anymore. So you probably want to stick with the system that you're ultimately in and know that you can succeed in. Yeah. I mean, we know Lions won't be competitive for a while, so that's two easy wins there. Uh, even, you know, if Justin Fields acclimates quickly, you're probably going to be, you know, best or worst case scenario, you're splitting with the Bears. I don't think you're getting swept by the Bears. And Lord knows what's going to happen with Minnesota. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's in a great spot to win and give himself a shot at a Super Bowl. But that's always been there in this whole saga. That's always been the case for him. And I don't know. It, I guess it just goes to show that um, the players, while we're shifting uh, focus a little bit here and, and they are getting more Maybe their their voices are becoming more powerful, which is helpful. Ultimately, unless you're in a very specific situation, you're not getting you don't have the leverage against the teams to really move things the way that they want to move. Right. Well, I mean, and I think a lot of people are looking at Tom Brady like, oh, that's going to be me. And I don't think that there's a lot of teams that are set up to just say, hey, we're one quarterback away from running, running it to the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl is so hard to get just in general, right? If Tom Brady yeah. had not made the Super Bowl last year, had not made the playoffs last year, I mean, they only had 11 wins. It's not like the Patriots didn't make the playoffs in 2008 with 11 wins and five losses. It wasn't a it wasn't a slam dunk. And you can ruin your reputation, ruin your, your career trajectory by Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers saying, Hey, this isn't for me anymore. Even though you've been on a team that's been a perennial contender. Yeah. It's, it's like the, the devil, you know, right. Mm -hmm. Um, as, as much as it sucks, uh, to be in some of these situations and everybody in all facets of life, like, you know, if you've worked the same job for 15 plus years, you know, you get an itch to, to look elsewhere. Um, so that's not unique to football players, but ultimately these guys are set up for success in their current situations. It's not like a total dumpster fire. It's not like they won three games last year and he's looking to, to right. get out and go somewhere. So yeah, I, this one was kind of a tough, tough one for Aaron. I, I think a lot of people felt like his, um, consternation over the off season was going to lead to him getting a little bit more than what he got in this. So that, that was tough. Yeah, I was expecting I was expecting a no trade clause. I was expecting an automatic void at the end of the year, something along the lines that made sure that he was out. And I think that ultimately when they talked about it, they said if we're competitive again this year is getting out old really what you want next year. Yeah. Yeah, if they win a Super Bowl. I, but wouldn't that be like a great way to stick it to the Packers. He come, he goes, he wins, he goes, see, you need me. Now, 
I'm gone. I'm for sure retiring unless you trade me. Um, That would actually be, uh, I think, a good ending to the story from his side, ultimately. But um, But again, the only only thing that's left for him is to retire at that point because he's still in a contract. Otherwise, he's back on the Packers. But I think it's it'd be easier it'd be an easier pill to swallow. Devonte Adams contracts up, and you just came off a Super Bowl victory. You know now you've got two Super Bowls, so you're in that club. You you say the, all right, the Eli Manning Hall of Fame club, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get into that soon. But anyway, um, all right. Any last thoughts on Aaron Rodgers here? No. He's a dick. <laughs> all right. He's a dick. I, I think most people would agree, especially a lot of people very close to him. Did nobody appreciate that he looks like Steve Buscemi anymore? Like I was, I was a little surprised by that on Twitter. I thought, I thought that those were pretty good side by sides. My bad. Yeah, he didn't didn't get the engagement you're looking for there. No. Ah, bummer. Well, maybe we'll uh, we'll promote it again. We'll give it a good old retweet and uh, see go. if anybody else checks it out. But all right, well, we will get out of there. Get out of here on that. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, um, please, you know, now that we're getting into the season, we're really going to start, well, I guess having stuff to talk about. So uh, we'll be uh, a little more active here and we're looking forward to it. So please give us a follow, give us uh, a subscribe, uh, share with your friends, follow us on Twitter. And um, I think I mentioned last time, but, you know, we're posting all of our episodes now on YouTube. So, uh, Subscribe to us there as well. And 